0: Green and Genty in the backfield again. Seaver in motion left to right, throwing the ball back to the left. Genty caught it at the 30. No one will bring him down. Touchdown, Ashton Genty. Madsen over the middle, caught by Cobbs at the 15. He's still going to the 10-5. Touchdown Broncos with 1.49 left. They leapfrog UCF and take the lead. This is officially going to be a 40-yard attempt. Well, for the first time since 2005, the Boise State football team is off to an 0-2 start. I wish we had better news for this edition of J Sports Bar, but unfortunately, the Broncos fall at the last second to UCF, 18-16, to on a last-second field goal, really, as time expires. Welcome on into J Sports Bar. J Tuss alongside Shane Williams-Rhodes. And I know, Shane, that it had to be a little heartbreaking there, but take us through the emotions as that field goal sails just inside the right upright to give UCF the walk-off win last week.
1: Watching it as it comes off the foot, it kind of goes to the right. And so you look, it looks like it's going to go ride white. Mm-hmm right right wide right <laughs> and then it just hooks right back yep. to the left and that it's tough i mean i mean i've been hearing it all week well for the last few weeks mm-hmm. that you know you know guys that i just know in the community are saying you know back in 2015 You know, up until then, we were like 101 and five on the blue. Yeah, all these things. There was
0: there was a 15 year stretch, Shane, where Boise State was 104 Mm -hmm. on the blue, and since the beginning of the 2001 season, last Saturday's loss drops Boise State to eight and six over their last 14 games on the most iconic playing surface in all of college football.
1: Yeah, so times are changing and yeah. not for the best right now. So it's been it's been tough to watch.
0: I uh, think for I'm me sure. out of everything that's got to get back to like the standard or like all the, you know, the buzzwords that are thrown out of the program, I think it begins and it ends with protecting the blue. Like if you want to talk yep. about your your culture, your identity, the blue is embodies it all, right? And I think if, above all everything else that you got to get fixed you have to get back to defending the blue turf at an incredibly high clip.
1: Absolutely. I remember when we used to be there, that was always like just the main goal. It was like mm-hmm. We don't lose at home. You know, and then you you wanna win a conference championship, you wanna win a ball game, and then obviously doing all that with integrity and class, like yeah. it's written over the walls everywhere yep. in there. So it's it's tough. You when you walk in you see a big those big letters it says protect the blue. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's tough. That's supposed to be, you know, rule number one.
0: Yeah. What did you make of Saturday's game really quick? Because once again, we'll dive further into the defense later on here, but once again, Boise State gives up over 500 yards of total offense. They have now done this in consecutive games for the first time since 2016, I believe um the last time excuse me it's the first time they've done it in consecutive games since 2013 it's the first time it's happened twice in a entire season since 2016 and again we're only two games into this season right yeah. and so um despite that they still find a way to limit UCF's offense to only 18 points Boise State in turn only scores 16 points mm-hmm. so are you more concerned about the offense at this point or the defense at this point
1: it's a little bit of both or a lot of bit of both actually <laughs> uh so defensively i think which i feel like andy's well known for is the bend but don't break mentality so mm-hmm. yeah we gave up a lot of yards but four field goals and one touchdown with no extra point is is i could take that every game yeah 18 points is nothing mm-hmm. in college football i mean we see guys score 14 in 5 minutes all the time to end game so 18 is not a lot. I think we got bailed out on defense with two big drops in the red zone that turned into interceptions. So those guys don't drop those balls. You know, they get more downs. They get more field goals. Those turn into turnovers, and those Mm -hmm. were gimmies. We didn't do anything to make those plays. We just were standing there, and the ball fell into our lap.
0: Right. If you're going to compare them – a little, I will say a little bit of a play made on the first one because Rodney had good coverage. It still hit the receiver in the hands, mm-hmm. and I know that your standard is that you know the, the receiver's right, got to come down it. with that. The second one, yeah. the receiver literally just threw the ball at Jalen Clark. Like he was yeah. in, he was in the end zone. Like yeah. nobody's around him. He was in the and, end zone, and he just threw the ball at Jalen Clark.
1: It's that's what I'm saying. So that's why I said it's a lot because mm-hmm. so that for defensively, that's what I see there is if they make those just two catches or yeah. just drop them so they can get more points. We're in a bigger hole. Offensively, we are who we thought we are. We're a team that can run the ball. We have great backs, but we aren't able to finish drives. We aren't explosive in the pass game. Uh The running back probably has the most explosives through the air. Mm -hmm. So we got to figure out how to obviously keep him involved. But once again, I know they didn't have a ton of drops, but it comes back to the receivers and the quarterback. It's quarterback making better decisions. Mm -hmm. It's receivers getting open, receivers making plays
0: yeah uh, we'll, we'll uh we'll get into the specifics I'm gonna start kind of broad and you know andy avalos after the game his message was we're gonna be all right we're gonna improve this is still gonna be a good team and there's nothing that basically anybody outside the program can say that is gonna make those players think any different of it right mm-hmm. and on monday at his press conference we followed up how are the guys following the first zero and two start in program history since 2005 when some of these guys i mean they're they weren't even walking yet, probably at that point in time, right? Yeah. But he still maintains a fairly optimistic outlook on his team. Take a listen.
2: You lose a game on the last play, uh, you miss blocking the field goal by about six inches. Like we said, you know, you blocked the field goal. We're still the same team. And we got a different record. And at the end of the day, we control what we control, and that's moving forward and continuing to grow. Again, we're we will have a good team. We're going to have a good season, and, and the team knows that. It's and they know, and we've discussed the work yesterday about the work that uh, we need to put in each and every day
0: i don't know what other approach you would have to this right like he's not going to hit the panic button what is that yeah. going to do for the guys inside of his locker room so he has to have yeah. an optimistic outlook on this thing but i'm, I'm going to ask you do you think this team is is going to be okay are they going to figure it out
1: we don't have a desirable schedule coming up here in the next three weeks the month of
0: september we have been talking about this for a very long time it is not favorable mm-hmm. to this program at, at all i mean At Washington, at home against UCF, even the FCS team on your schedule is is a top 25 FCS program. And then you go to San Diego State and to Memphis to to round out the month. There's not a lot of opportunities to to get back right in that schedule.
1: And San Diego State doesn't look great. They look almost as bad as we do right Mm -hmm. now. But what I'll say about this is they always play us with their A game.
0: They do. They always bring it.
1: Memphis, you got to also factor in we're going to the south. We're playing the humidity, the heat it's going to be a lot harder on us it's we got we got a gauntlet
0: coming yeah. up we, you got pff, Boise State like i mean this this month is going to be one of the more challenging months in program history uh, because it has been a slow start for the team and it's just a really difficult schedule when you consider like th- there's there are 12 guaranteed opportunities in college football right you get 12 mm-hmm. Saturdays to play if you win enough games you get a 13th uh, opportunity by playing in uh, a bowl game, and if you're really good, maybe a 14th and 15th opportunity if it's a conference championship or maybe even a college football playoff or something, but only 12 guaranteed opportunities. And so on, on one hand, you can say, man, they're, they are they got to ease into the season. They're starting to figure out who their gamers are or however you want to mm-hmm. phrase it, and they'll get there. On the other hand, though, two games out of 12, when you only get 12 opportunities, that is 16.7% of your season. When Boise State completes this next game, it's crazy as it is, they're a quarter of the way through their schedule. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of time to give yourself to figure it out. But, you know, there were, I go back to the 2014 season, Shane. Mm-hmm. You played on that team that went and won a Fiesta Bowl. They started that season three and two. And then you guys just never lost again. Yeah. Um, is there is there actually something to Getting into a game and finding out what your guys can do because there, there are absolutely athletes out there on every team that are better in a game than they are in practice, and vice versa for that matter.
1: Yeah, there is, and and this team, they we still have a chance. You know, they like you said, we went three and two. They're zero and two, so you know they don't have as much room for error as we had. They got you know, a block, they, had,
0: they need a longer winning streak. Than we you had guys. some. We had some. Uh,
1: <laughs> we had some wins in our build already, mm-hmm. but. Like, last game, you're one or two plays away. You're a missed field goal away from, obviously, winning the game. So, you're mm-hmm. still in it. It's not like we put two games on that we just were totally out of the game. Yeah. And that's a good team in UCF, which we knew. They were favored on our home turf. So, like, you know these things going in. So, I don't think that we're totally out of it. I also think we have a chance to go win all of the games we have left on our schedule. Mm-hmm. They're all winnable games. Now, are some harder than the others? Yes. I think you go to Memphis and you're not going to be favored. Yeah. I think you go to San Diego State, it's going to be close. Yeah. I don't know how that one's going to – I don't know how they're going to put that one in the books. But the rest of the games you might be favored in. Mm-hmm. So we still have a chance to win nine nine games, ten games. From here, my guess – I know you I know you love predictions. I, If you have ten left, I say we win still eight games this season,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which obviously eight and four is – typically not ideal
0: if it's the right eight Mm -hmm. if it's the right Mm -hmm. eight you still get into the mountain west conference championship though and
1: you win it so there you go nine and four
0: and now you're playing for a 10th win Mm -hmm. for a second year in a row in a bowl game yeah so maybe not an elite bowl game but a (laughs) bowl game
1: yeah it's it's not ideal but we're not out of it yeah and i think winning a conference championship this year might be could possibly be the ceiling for us with where we are obviously is that is that okay I mean, is that no, okay? That's not typically, it's not just winning. Right. The, yeah. Because
0: I know that we talk about the standard and it's in forever. I mean, since Coach Pete was here when that facility was built, mm-hmm. you know, it said win the Mountain West Conference Championship is like one of the, pri- and a bowl game is the primary standard of this program. Yeah. And it always kind of felt to me that that meant like you had to check that box for a greater opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was just like, this is the business we're taking care of yeah. so we can actually go off and achieve what we think we're capable of.
1: And when Coach Pete was there, you had to be the highest-ranked group of five, mm-hmm. but you also had to be a conference champion. Yep. So that all played in together. So if we got that taken care of, then now it's yes. just let the computers do what they do.
0: So now, as you said, though, at least for this team, is that the ceiling. So now we kind of got to debate like what the actual standard is, which... I don't know if that's worth getting into. I'm going ceiling
1: <laughs> based off of the first two losses. Yeah. Being in, yeah. Obviously, beginning of the season, no. Yeah. But now, yeah, it's, we're, in, we're in a tough spot right now. A little bit of a tough spot. Like
0: I said, 0-2 for the first yeah. time since 2005. 8-6 and six over the last 14 on the blue. They got to get right. One person that is certainly helping that, as I shift to something positive here, because uh, this is, <laughs> as I mentioned this last week, he is, he is undebatable right now. Uh, Ashton Gentry, he's not one of the best players in, on the team. He's not one of the best players in the conference. He's one of the best players in the country. Uh, his explosiveness has been insane. His versatility has been insane. And right now, he appears to be Boise State's offense, Shane.
1: Yep, he was my pick for player of the game mm-hmm. last week. And obviously, they maybe they listened to the podcast because they <laughs> made sure they got him involved. And they did it in so many different ways. Screens, jet sweeps, I mean... He's out running routes. It's mm-hmm. I love it. You got to just get him in space. He played
0: sixty-two snaps on offense. I mean, he he was on the field as a running back and a guy that's running all the jet sweeps and all this thing. Uh, he was on the field for about ninety-five percent of their offensive snaps. I mean, that, that's yeah. a that's a heavy workload, man. I don't know if J Mack or Jay Ajay were on the field. <laughs> for yeah. that amount of time. Sure, they had more touches in a game, mm-hmm. but in terms of just not coming off of the field, um, they probably need to make sure they spell him a little bit more moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and I'd, I mean, even, I'd,
1: I'd even like seeing the Dunbar kid run some of those jet sweeps because yeah. speed-wise, he looks like he might be faster yeah. than Chinty. He yeah. Can run.
0: Breezy's a, a one heck of a talent. Uh, another Texas kid, you know, uh, where they went and got Ashton out of, although Ashton also has roots in, this, in, this, in the uh, state of Florida, too. Um, But he's, I mean, I, I don't know where they would be right now without Ashton Genty because as you try to figure things out offensively, uh, he's a guy that you don't have to figure out. He makes everything that's wrong right and everything that's right spectacular. Yeah. Uh, evident of another 38-yard screen pass that he took to the house against UCF to start the scoring for that game. Um, they, You know, i he has—he tw- had 29 touches in that game. He didn't even really look like he was phased by it. Uh, I think that the thing that will be interesting to me now with him are the things that we won't get to witness, at least um, as media members, because n- when you touch the rock that many times in a game at that position, all of a sudden you have to start really taking your, care of your body midweek so that you can come back and do it again. I think that Jay Ajay was probably elite at that his senior year. I know that. People at times might have questioned Jay's you know, practice habits, I would say. Uh, he got better as he got older, for sure. Yeah. But he was really, really good at getting in the ice tub and, and recovering so that he'd go back out and get 30 touches again and not look like he, he missed a beat.
1: Yeah, Jay used to look like he came back from war after every game. Yeah. He used to go through it. Knee swells up. He'd have to sit out Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, get back into practice on work day, Wednesday walkthroughs on Thursday, So it's a process. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I never had to go through yeah. that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know how often, but I, I heard that it was quite often that, you know, Jay was out there getting you know, he had his knee drained once a week or yep. something like that, just to make sure that
1: yeah he was good to go. It's true. I've, I've seen him fill up about two or three tubes of just pus just built up in there and they just drain it until they see blood start coming. It's pretty crazy. That's my experience with it is watching him get it done all the time. It's,
0: the stuff you guys go through yeah that's why there's always like this little thing inside me when people are like super critical of you guys i'm like eh, you know <laughs> i don't know i mean it's, it's hard to get hit in the head you know repeatedly exactly. and then yeah. still think about things correctly and mm-hmm. accurately and then oh yeah your other parts of your body are going to start to break down and mm-hmm. swell up and you got to take care of all that and go to school and do all that other stuff too but um ashton has been just remarkable this season and i can't wait to see what he's capable of and you know, he's, he's a guy. Like, I mean, if if we are talking about the current um, climate in college football with the transfer portal and NIL and all these things, I I would be lying if I didn't say, like, I think of these performances, like, with a little cloud hovering over him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's amazing. He is shun, sunshine and rainbows with the way he's playing. But I don't want anybody else to come in and pluck him out and rain on Boise State's parade because they're the yeah. ones that found him. They're the ones that gave him the opportunity. And... Uh, I, I just, I can almost guarantee you though that he's the type of guy that is gonna all these illegal recruiting moves that happen, and I, you know, he's gonna be a guy that get gets interest. I have no doubt in my mind.
1: People have always said the NCAA is a business. Well, now we're at the point where now you have to try to retain your employees, yeah. which most business owners have to do. So yep. that loop has been thrown in now.
0: So. I think I think a key of coming to Boise State is winning games. So mm. now that he's being productive, win games and. Just make everybody really happy about with what's, with what's going on. Yeah. If, if we go from the ground to the air, uh, you know, the, the passing game, we come out of game one against the University of Washington, and there were a few too many drops. And for the second straight game, one reason or the other, the passing attack, it's still kind of clunky, it, it seems at times, right? Talon through two games is completing under 50% of his passes. Again, one way or the other. The completion percentage is assigned to Talon. Mm-hmm. So, one way or the other, he's completing 50%, less than 50% of his passes through two games. And, and that's just not, that's not going to cut it. Like, I, I don't know what, maybe if you're Air Force and you're only going one of three passing and rushing the ball 80 times a game, it works. But it in, at, with what Boise State does, under 50%, under 60% probably, it's just not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, and I think it might be a combination of trying to keep things simple for him. Mm-hmm. But when we're go- being so simple with it, when you have athletes who are just as athletic as you in the back end, it makes it really tough to get open on simple concepts. Yeah. So that's where they're going to have to start figuring some things out on the back end. Mm-hmm. It's obviously game one, you know, I as a former receiver, I'm taking the blame. The receivers killed us. And then, you know, you go game two. Now receivers step it up a little bit more. You know, we don't have that many drops and mm-hmm. all that going on. But now – we can't get anything completed. Right. And so, uh, whether it's us not getting open mm-hmm. or Taylor not making a great throw, I think as a combination, the passing game, everyone in the passing game has to get it figured out.
0: Bush Hamden, the offensive coordinator, even kind of, you know, he admitted this week that they haven't found that perfect kind of run balance fit that, that kind of allows the offense to get into just this rhythm and flow. Mm-hmm. And we're two games into the season. We also asked him about the downfield passing attack, which is really. Lacked so far, and this is what he had to say. I, mean, I think it
2: starts, you know, we're just giving guys a chance, right? Because uh, you look at those downfield throws. Again, we always say this: if we'll just give guys a chance, uh, they're either making the play or they're getting off the ground and getting a chance for for pass interference situations. So. Uh, You know, we got to do a a better job as a whole at that position, schematically making sure we're giving them opportunities down the field uh, to go make plays. It starts with the decision making, right, with anything. When you feel extremely confident where you want to go with the ball, um, I think a lot of times, too, making sure, you know, from a footwork standpoint, we always talk about be proud of what that back copy looks like, if you will, of the film. Uh, because when he's got his feet set, when he's confident, trust and protection, uh, you know. Again, we think mechanically he can make all the throws, uh, but that's that's the development of any quarterback. You know, it really is, and, and you guys know that, and uh, and he'll continue to improve.
0: If you look at Taylan's numbers, and as I mentioned earlier, the sample size is small, but you're still almost a quarter of the way through the season. I, I think you have to consider that. But if you look at Taylan's numbers, he's one of ten for forty yards on throws of over twenty yards this season. Might be a couple drops in there. I'll include that. On throws over 10 yards, six of 24, I believe, which, that I mean, you're not going to complete. Uh, uh, the further mm. downfield you throw, the lower your completion percentage yeah. is typically. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Even with that being considered, though, that's not nearly as efficient as you have to be to be an excess, a successful offense.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's, we do not look good at all in the past game. Neither game. I mean, it's. I feel like, in game one, we did t- attempt to t- attack yep. downfield, and then game two we said, "Oh well, we couldn't complete anything, mm-hmm. so we're gonna keep everything underneath," and that was not the way to go. Yeah,
0: no. it's I man, it, it's so funny being like an observer of the team who has a you know connection to the fans, and you get to see everything play out, right? And unless you score fifty points. It's really hard to just win everyone over. Yeah. At the Washington game, Bush was worried that he play, You know, he didn't play complimentary football at the end of the first half, and that game kind of got away from him, right? I go back. I still kind of okay with what the, some of the things that happened. Uh, I think it was a lack of execution at times there. Then you go to this game, right? And now there's a minute to go in, in the first half. You're up one, have a chance to lead UCF in the you know going into the locker room, and you get the ball in the second half, but you don't really you're not really too aggressive with that last drive at the end of the first half, and everybody's like, "Well, we're, we're playing not to lose, not we're not we're not playing to win, we're playing not to lose, right?" Some trust issues, yeah. Right? So I just I don't know. It's just like it's just back and forth. It's like I think you got to pick one side or the other. Like, yeah. You can't you can't have it both ways. Everybody, okay, yeah. pick one side or the other. Uh, but they I, either way, they they have to get this figured out and. Kind of another like alarming thing that I I would say was an interesting stat that popped out to me when Talon has been given over two and a half seconds to throw his numbers, 10 of 25 for 106 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. That's a college QB efficiency rating of 59.6. So there had been a long storyline here of the offensive line wasn't great, QBs don't have enough time to throw, and we could point at that as the the inefficiencies on offense at times. Now, when he does have time, it doesn't necessarily get better, and um, I don't know any other question to ask other than why.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. And the craziest part about it is teams are going to see this, and now they're going to be so much more aggressive. Yeah, they're going to say, "Well, you know, we're going to we're going to bring pressure, and we are going to man up on the back end because." They see the Washington game. Well, they aren't the best at catching, so let's just man them up. Mm -hmm. Then they'll see this game, they say, well, we can man up. They're running underneath and shallow routes, and they're not really blowing the tops off, so Mm -hmm. we don't need as much help on the back end. So now we can put more pressure on the run game to stop Ashton. So now we really get in a pickle where boxes are starting to get stacked, Mm -hmm. and we have to throw the ball. Well, we're not the best at throwing the ball, so we're going to have to start relying on that, and that's just going to – it's the game within the game.
0: My 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 window of optimism that that might work out is the Utah State game last year, where they loaded the box, they made Taylon throw, and Taylor had one of you know his best throwing performances of, of his career. I think he had four touchdowns in that game. Uh, but again, we talk about you know sample size, and it's not there's not a lot of evidence there that we can really point to mm-hmm. to feel confident about it, and. Again, this is a thing where the quarterback gets too much credit when it's going good, too much blame when it's going bad, and I I think is as, as a guy that signs up for that position, it's just something that you 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 have yeah. to you understand. And so when we uh, associate Taylan's name to the passing game, it is the nature of the beast. He is the quarterback, right? Yep. Andy says that you know Andy Avila said that they really still feel confidence and confident in guys like Billy Bowens to step up and get it done. They've seen him do it before, and Billy's had a really quiet season so far. Didn't have a catch last game. Only had three on eight targets in the first game. Eric McAllister has shown glimpses for sure, but yeah. he he only had two catches last game, and one of them came on the opening drive. And yeah. so only get one catch the rest of the way, and it's just like, man, how do they find a way to get their most dynamic receiver involved? How do you get the ball in his hands? I think that was that's like a little bit of a difference with a guy like him and a guy like Khalil, if you were really frustrated about getting the ball in Khalil's hand, throw him a screen, yep. they even lined Khalil up in the backfield at times and just handed mm-hmm. it to him. I mean, they did that with him. But how do you get the ball – how do you get the ball in Eric McAllister's hands? Like, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, it's – I mean, hopefully – I'm hoping that the next team comes out man, and does all that. And yeah. if they do, then now this kind of works in our favor because, like you said – Taylin seems to be more efficient at throwing the ball under two and a half seconds than mm-hmm. he is with over. So if yeah. we're bringing pressure and we're running quick routes and we're going to quick game. We got slants. We got hitches. Now those are easier throws for him. Mm-hmm. They're faster throws. We're hitting the ball out of his hand. And now you get those guys. Yeah. the Ball in those guys. Hands. And typically
0: if you're throwing the ball out that quickly, you're not really relying on going through a bunch of reads, I guess. you
1: pre-snap reading. you pre-snap read and then you go. Yep.
0: And, yeah. So, maybe, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what you New know, North Dakota throws at them. Um, getting over to the defensive side of the ball now, you know, I mentioned over 500 yards of total offense, yet UCF does only score 18 points. Andy, Andy Avila said after the game, like, there was a noticeable jump from game one to game two. And I think you look at the stats and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, like, I will say if you go back, like, mm-hmm. there there are things that absolutely got better. I mean yeah. – We talked a little bit about Rodney Robinson being super aggressive because he's a film junkie and he wants to, like, make every play on defense. And last week, you know, like, he made a number of plays by maybe just kind of doing what, again, I hate the cliche, but it it holds true is 111th. And Rod Rod came back and had a good game, man. Like, he did.
1: He did, for sure. There was a big tackle he had. I think it might have been third and two. Yeah. And and the running back bounced, and I was like, yep, this is a first down. No matter how he gets tackled, and
0: he – Rod's not a big dude, mm-hmm. and he like he, that was like one of them sticky yep. tackles where it was like I don't think the guy got a
1: yard. No, he didn't. The way he tackled, yeah, him, so it was, yeah,
0: yeah, I, and that that was encouraging. But uh, you know, I think overall as a defense, there's still room for improvement. That, yeah. That's 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 so obvious to say. And Andy was saying this week that when they watch film now, they they actually almost are starting to do it differently. I think like when what what is the, the the line you walk, Shane, when you're watching film and you're you're trying to find these tendencies that allow you to go out and make this big game changing play and get a pick or or whatever it might be, versus making sure you check the box on that one eleventh.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird because a lot of everyone watches film differently. Mm-hmm. So and we uh even me personally like working with high school kids Mm -hmm. trying to teach them how to watch film because some watch it and just see what they do and what the guy that they guard or going against what they do yeah but sometimes there's other tales there's guys next to him that might do something that might give it away that might help you Mm -hmm. so just learning how and that's probably what they're doing they're probably teaching these guys how to watch film Mm -hmm. i feel like i don't think that you typically have, feel like you have to teach college guys how to watch film. Mm-hmm. You just assume like, hey, you're a are dude, you understand like what you need to be looking for. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like he's starting to break things down, simplify some mm-hmm. things and and go When he was first got to the NFL he told was it Dungey? He told Dungy to teach me like I'm a third grader yeah. every time, with everything that we was, do.
0: That was something that goes back to the Coach Pete days, too, right? Yep. Break yeah. it
1: down. Be simple. I don't care if it's a day one thing. Just teach it to me like I'm a third mm-hmm. grader, so that way I don't miss anything or misinterpret anything along mm-hmm. the way, and I think that's what they're doing, and obviously it's needed, because you saw a Washington game. They go back and he, like you said, he's always in the film room, but that's what he, the way he's been watching, and then he comes back the next game, and he said they've been slowing things down, and he had a really good game.
0: Yeah. I want to point out, too, Tony Dungy, a Super Bowl champion coach that does it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's even saying things like teach yeah. these all pro players yeah. like a third grader. So that, that, that obviously is a, is a great mentality to have. But I was kind of curious about, curious about that this week. And so I, I had the chance to catch up with Andy Avalos and defensive coordinator Spencer Danielson and get their take on everyone doing, well, their 111th on defense.
2: Checking the box on the 111th is way more important. And that's our focus now. And it's not just with one player. The focus with um, everybody on defense is making sure we're checking our 111 before we're trying to anticipate too much and then obviously falling out of place. So that's been a huge uh, emphasis and not only when we're on the field, but how we watch film, how we watch film too. Um, you know, it's a big part of winning the pre-snap, being on the same page within the, the shell of the defense and then being able to execute our 111th once that ball snap.
3: For us right now, as a, and I use this Lucy, a younger defense, the number one focus for me, for our group, is do your job. Do your job. Because everyone in that seat, this place matters to them. There's no one here that's like, you know what, I'm going to go out there and just do something different because I, I think I should. No, 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 that's not happening. But... We have to have the discipline to do my job no matter what. Yes, there's film study to know what's coming. Hey, I know in this formation, here's the mover. This is where my eyes are going to be coming to. There's a couple different things I'm going to get. But the biggest point of emphasis for us as a defense is no matter what it is, you get a call, you see a formation, you communicate, you lock in your keys, and you do your job. And then you're obviously counting on the guy next to you to make sure he's doing his. And... That's our biggest focus across all levels. Safeties, corners, linebackers, D-line, edge guys, that's our biggest focus. Because um, we got a, we got a great group to coach. we got a great group of guys that are going to continue to get better. We got better from week one to week two. We got to take another big jump from week two to week three. And a, and a huge focal point is do your job. What's the call? What's the situation? And what's your technique? Do that to the fullest you can. That's what we need from you. Not to overthink, well, I saw this on film, so I was thinking I could jump. No, no, no. Do your job. Do your job. Because that's how we can protect each other, and that's how you're a lead defense.
0: So Boise State walks out of that game. You know, they, they do a good job of forcing a couple turnovers. They only give, an, give up 18 points. I guess those are the things that you you point to one way or another to to, to have to build some confidence in this team. Uh, because maybe that might be the most key ingredient right now, Shane. Like, uh, a team that uh, oh, everybody's like, oh, man, we haven't started 0-2 since 2005. You're giving up 500 yards in back-to-back games. Yeah. Um, confidence is so big and that that might be a a key to helping them turn this thing around so i guess 18 points against ucs offense some of the things you point to right now
1: yeah i think they have to point out some of those bright spots because i'm sure these kids are getting it from every angle whether it be just on campus whether it be from I mean, you just, they're going to feel the pressure. Your,
0: your coach has always told you guys, like, don't read the press clippings. Don't get on social media. Don't listen, you know, <laughs> to stuff on campus. How, like, insanely hard is it to ignore all that when you're in college, though? I mean, these kids all have thank Twitter on their at, or X, whatever you want to call it on their at, you know, their phones. and O-X. Yeah, old X, yeah. O-X, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, thankfully, Pete didn't let us, yeah, you have Twitter. Oh, that was, so, that.
0: That was way back in the day. That I prevented that. a
1: lot of that. So, when I was playing, you know. We never even got to see that kind of stuff. That's so I never knew that stuff existed. And Instagram, you know, was kind of on its way up. It uh-huh. wasn't really a news outlet yeah. as much as it is now. So you didn't have to worry about that. But, yeah, these kids are – doesn't matter what they do. I mean, if they're on campus, they're getting the pressure. If yeah. they're at home on their phones, doesn't matter where they are. It's going to – they're going to see it. So yep. it's tough. It's, it's a lot different. The mental side of it is way harder nowadays.
0: Uh, another thing that I, I would say yeah. – you know, I, I would say overall, but I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Boise State went out and added some transfer portal guys this offseason. I think those are kind of the guys you expect to make an immediate impact on your team. And there has we haven't really seen that so far. And, you know, Boise State did they did rotate in some bodies on defense a little bit better this last week. Markel Reed only played seven snaps in the season opener. He's getting healthier. He played 39 at cornerback. Uh, they only tested him once. It was an incomplete pass. I think it is... Um, I think it is crucial to get Markel Reed back on this defense, and I, I think he will make a big difference. Ty Benefield played a ton of snaps at safety for a true freshman. Zion Washington worked his way in and played some snaps behind Alexander Tubner at uh, strong safety. They did a better job of rotating bodies in at certain positions. The one area that I would say is, is concerning for me would be the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And you had Ahmed Hassanin play 60 snaps Dimitri Washington played sixty one. The defense was only on the field for sixty five. Um you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that seems like a lot of snaps for a college edge rusher to be on the field for and still maintaining some level of freshness.
1: Yeah, for sure. Once yeah, once you hit that 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 threshold, they're just kinda out there those pass rushers become run-stoppers. Yeah. <laughs> it's And we need that, obviously. We need a pass rusher. We mm-hmm. always, like we talked about last show, we always have a dude. Mm-hmm. You know, someone always emerges. And yep. so even last year, we had someone that just started to just come on and come on, but we haven't figured out who that guy is. Yeah, yet.
0: And, and they need that on defense. And um, I just, that that seems like a, 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 somebody hit me back on Twitter and was like, well, if that's their job, they should be out there 100% of the time. I think elite college defense is when you have 105 guys on the roster, you are able to build layers of, you know, defensive linemen that you feel like the, you know, the level of play doesn't drop off. And I, I wanted, I, Andy's been here when they've had, you know, multiple lines and units that they've been able to run through and still maintain a certain level of success. And so I wondered how that applied to this team. And this is what he told me earlier this week.
2: That's on us too, you know, being able to, uh, mixing, Tyler's done a good job. Um, Jaden Virgin has done a good job. Uh, you know, uh, really, I mean, Tyler's had two of his best practice weeks coming up here. And so um, the ability to, to rota- rotate those guys, I mean, uh, the reality is up front, we need eight guys that can play with no fall off. And so um, we're pretty confident of how those guys are growing here in the last couple weeks. This is going to be a huge week. I mean, again, we worked yesterday on a Sunday practice. We worked. I mean, we're, we're on the sleds. Um, working pass rush with the, with the front guys and the edge guys. And so we're going to start fast uh, tomorrow morning and we're going to make sure that, you know, we have at least 8 and we're rotating through there, if not more. Um, And again, that's, that's critical, a critical part of having a successful team is being able to build that depth is early on in the season.
3: As we go throughout the season, I mean, our, our depth is going to be huge and, and once again, the guys that are in backup roles doing a really good job in practice, proving themselves to show like they're ready for those moments. In that game, um, against an offense like that, the, the tough part is once they're rolling, it's going to be very hard to sub because there's no time wasted. They're moving. They very even rarely sub in and out of personnel. So those get, a game like UCF is a little bit different than some teams. We will rotate more going forward, one, to keep them fresh, two, because the guys behind them have done a really good job, and they're pushing it. So. Um, we're gonna find more ways to rotate to keep our guys fresh and to keep them so we can be healthy throughout the throughout the whole season.
0: So Andy says they need at least eight guys on defense Mm -hmm. to to be able to feel like they can rotate through and keep guys fresh. And they did not use that many last week against UCF. Spencer Danielson added that, you know, it was tough to rotate in some of the defensive linemen because of the pace of of offense that UCF operated at. It's true. Still, I mean, like, they've got to find a way to add a compliment. Is Tyler Wiegis, the the transfer from Utah, is he a guy that can provide – at this point, maybe if it's maybe even it's not, you know, these big game-changing plays, but it's enough to spell the starters to where they feel fresh, where on that final drive against UCF, they're not worried about being on their field for their 57th, 58th, yeah. 59th, 60th defensive snap out of 65. Um, they feel fresh, and all of a sudden, they're the ones that can turn a corner, set an edge, whatever, contain a quarterback from bouncing outside like, you know, John Reese Pumley was able to do a couple times, or... Or just go get them,
1: you know? Yeah, Yeah, people have to also understand that these are 300-pound guys, and you want them to play every snap. Not even in the NFL do elite pass rushers play every snap. Mm -hmm. Micah Parsons does not play every snap. Mm -hmm. He he does run out, you know, take a few plays off, and then come back in. So you want to have guys in that are fresh. Would you rather have eight guys running at 80 to 100% as far as energy efficiency, Mm -hmm. or would you rather have one guy – or th- those three guys that are playing on that line, yep. running at sixty to hundred, depending on how tired they get. If the offense goes fast, obviously they're going to be working at a little bit less efficiency. Mm-hmm. So, it's so a lot of things that go into that. I mean, so far, like the,
0: I would say really the only impact transfer portal guy on defense, Sheldon Newton, big dude out of Northern Colorado. Like, you know, he he has he's provided some definitely some time on the field for for Boise State's defense, but it. it you know, there just still hasn't been like that guy that you're like, wow, thank God they added him in the off season. I go back and I look at George Tartless last year. Mm-hmm. You want to look at when Boise State, kind of like the end of the season when some of their pass rush and stuff numbers started to dwindle down. A lot of it not only was because George was the pass rush at times, mm-hmm. but he was the guy that was the attention getter and helping other guys, yep. you know, um, get to the quarterback a little more frequently and. And that's why that when we talk about them having a dude, again, it's not just him, it's the impact that he makes throughout the rest of the defense. So who emerges as that? Now, do you all of a sudden kind of open up the cupboard a little bit, Shane, and be like, okay, well, if we don't have a dude, now now i got to figure out how I am going to get to the quarterback if you are Spencer Danielson. Do you – you know, the nickel's a pretty versatile spot. Yeah. Do, you, do you start – is he a guy that you have to, like, start sending after the quarterback a little bit more, things like that? Um, how do you generate that pressure because you can't just – Sit back there and and not do it. Like you got to figure yeah. out a way to do
1: it. That's typically your answer when you don't have guys who are great pass rushers. Uh, you start sending some pressure. You get, start getting a little help from your your linebackers and your DBs. Mm-hmm. That's that's got to be it.
0: Which now puts your corners in a little bit more of a yeah of a of a difficult position. Which I don't know if that's what you want to do, but hey, it, it's pick your poison at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's where it probably comes back to. You got to know when to throttle down, throttle up, and and be yeah. as unpredictable as possible in what in the looks that you give and the pressure that you bring. Um, there's there's probably more that's going to be put on the defensive coordinator's shoulders right now, yeah, as he as they just try to figure this thing out for sure. So now, man, normally you get an FCS team on the blue. This is an exciting time because you know you're going to get right, figure this out. But at 0-2, I don't know if you can assume anything, Shane. And North Dakota rolls into Boise averaging 46 points a contest. They're, have a, they have a quarterback that's completing 77% of his throws. They're 2-0. They're an FCS team, but they're ranked 14th in the country at the FCS level. And now you're all of a sudden on guard a little bit. Because you're you're in show-me mode, prove-it mode, whatever it is. This is not a game that you roll into thinking, ah, FCS opponent, we got this.
1: Yeah, we're we're like we're the wounded dog, mm-hmm. and it's a little scary. You know what's coming to town. It's it's a team that has, if they lose by fifty, they're fine. Yeah, they, they were supposed to lose by fifty. Yeah, if they compete, it's great. You know, we competed with this team who's more superior than us. Mm-hmm. We are in a really bad spot. This game is what they call a trap game. Yeah, and so
0: everybody that I've talked to you about the month of September, right? The worst-case scenario anybody could possibly imagine was always one in four. Well, guess who the one was? It was North Dakota. Mm -hmm. I just – I don't – I'm not picking an upset, people. I'm not. Like, I still think the Broncos win by a a comfortable margin on Saturday. But I I just don't think we can assume that right now. Like – we this team needs to continue to get better. This is one could argue this is maybe the most important game of the season because it is their chance to get right. We talk about taking what you do in practice and executing it in the game, and that that's not only X's and O's, but that's also just ha- having your confidence follow you over into a game. This is the game where they can build confidence, and then all of a sudden maybe that creates the momentum going to San Diego State, to Memphis, and all the conference games left after that. That's why like this game, it's, it sounds silly to say it, but it's like the most important game. Of the season right now,
1: yeah. When you're in this spot that we're in, each game that you play, like they always say, you know, you always focus on the next one. For us, it's it's couldn't be more right,
0: yeah. Get Ashton Jen through the ball as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, have a few play big plays in the passing game that's that's imperative. I will say, tackling's been decent, I would say, for Boise State so far this year, but you got to limit big plays on defense, they, they've, yeah. they've given up too many of those um they've been i think that there's one team in the country that's given up more plays of 20 or more yards on defense this season and they just got blasted by nevada at home or excuse me blasted by idaho at home i'm talking about nevada nevada's given up 21 uh, plays of 20 or more yards boise state at 20 so uh, that's there's definitely a different level of competition the broncos and wolfpack have faced so far this season uh but either way that's just not company that you want to be in so they've got to figure all this out and if they do you, you like their chances moving forward, but it begins this Saturday against North Dakota. So, Shane, as we do each and every week here oh, do during football me. season, how, I need to know exactly how many points Boise State's going to score and give up when the fighting Hawks
1: roll into the blue. I think you find some explosives in the pass game this week from actual receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, if we do not get Ashton the ball, we will have some problems. Uh-huh. So I think we go thirty-eight. We're gonna finally, you know, cross that. Put it together yeah a little there, get get over thirty. Thirty-eight, but I don't think this is a game that we're gonna. I don't. We're not a. We're not a blowout team to me. Okay. So, so we'll it'll be competitive. I'm thinking thirty-eight twenty-four. Okay. So they'll be four, about fourteen. Okay. That's that's what I like.
0: And at this point in time. I think anybody would take it. <laughs> Given the fact that, again, North Dakota rolls in averaging over 46 a game, and if they can get to 38, you know, this is uh, the last three years or I guess two-plus seasons, uh, Boise State, you know, they, they're not averaging 30 points a game, and that the, the standard used to be almost 40 a game there for like 20 straight years, right? And uh, if they can get to 38, it seems like that would be a positive sign. I don't care who they're playing. I'm gonna say hopefully they can score more than that, but that is just hope at this point in time. Uh, but again, early morning kickoff, uh, North Dakota on the blue. Looks like they're gonna go all white. What do you think about that? We talked about wearing all blue at home, and maybe it's not the best time to bring it up. But they, for the most part, when they were they're all blue, cause the exception to last week, had been unbeatable. Now they're go all white at home. At least, I, actually, I don't know that for a fact. But all the logos and stuff they're putting out there, maybe they go orange. I
1: don't. I don't know but um I think at this point we're in the mode of we have to change whatever we're doing we have to do something different <laughs> because what we're doing is not working yeah. so yeah that's probably what they're doing they'll they'll come out with something is it 10 a.m kickoff a big deal that I think that is gonna affect the players the most uh we're used to waking up getting the going to the facility doing a walkthrough mm-hmm. and then having a the team breakfast and then we get like because we obviously used to play at 8 p.m., uh, getting about six hours to go home, relax, watch football all day, uh, treatment, whatever you need to get, mm-hmm. and then come back. And then now we're in the mode. Well, now it's – you're probably going to be up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to
0: – Andy said they'll be up about an hour earlier than they normally are on like a, on like a Tuesday practice. Because they, they do practice in the morning at mm-hmm. Boise State. I mean, usually practice begins, I think, like 8.30-ish. Yep. He says he'll be up about an hour earlier. Yeah, That's still getting early, up and though. getting
1: ready for practice mm-hmm. and getting up and getting ready for a game. Telling your yep. mind and your body. Let me,
0: let me ask you this. Is it getting up or is it getting down? What I mean by that is, is is it is it powering down the night before and making sure you're, you're not feeling the adrenaline and stuff and getting to bed?
1: See, that was the good thing about, and you said that it's an hour before normal practice. Yeah. But normal game uh-huh. you know they aren't up till 9 10 yeah. clock, you know so getting up and getting ready for, pre- for a game like or going to sleep the night before a game is always tough yeah. so then now you're going to probably go to sleep late uh-huh. on top of going to sleep late you got to wake up earlier and now you got to flip the switch But yeah. and I don't know I know me personally if we ever played a 10 a.m. game I was not eating much for so breakfast? that's going to everything's going to get everything's going to be off uh-huh. yeah like, do you want to eat at – because you, no, you we usually eat three and at, three hours before so we can right. kind of get it through. And do you want to you eat at 7 a.m.? You don't want to be
0: feeling your breakfast, too, when you're out there trying to run around and get hit in the stomach yeah. and things like that. You went that. to
1: bed late. You woke up early. You got to eat now at 7 a.m. And you won't get to eat again until after. It's just a lot that's going to be effective.
0: Well, we'll see if the Broncos can do it. Solve this 0-2 start. Shane, as always, we appreciate it. No problem. All right. Another edition of Jay's Sports Bar serving the Idaho sports community. We'll see you all out there at Bronco Stadium bright and early on Saturday as Boise State hosts North Dakota.